Welcome to the Metal Zone Podcast. This is episode 72. I'm Tom. And I'm Stefan. And it has already been a while, but uh, I have reasons. <laughs> so uh, first we're going to talk at, at just a tiny bit about a thing that recently happened to me. My PC crashed and what the reason was and why that caused quite a bit of upshake in my production schedule. Um, then a bit of talk about upcoming events. Sanjay Mortimer Rap Rap Festival is happening in December. Form Next is in November. And uh, yeah, I gonna be at some events. Tom gonna be uh, is going to be at some events. So a bit talk about that in a second. Then uh, first 3D printed salmon uh, popping up in Austria, and I wanna have some. So. Um, quick chat about that and maybe um, also a couple of reasons why just printing existing food might not be the perfect thing and why we might actually use this technology for interesting food we are currently not even thinking about. Then something really nice that happened for the hang printer project and just open source and the community in general, um, the Hang Printer project was successfully able to challenge the Sky BAM patent. Um, so they are not able anymore to um, patent how a Hang Printer works. Um, then another topic, which is just slightly connected to also patents. Uh, Bamboo Mini is out. Um, just a bit of talk. Oh, not Bamboo Mini. Bamboo A1 Mini. Um, is out, bit of talk, what it does, um, how it also affects just like the general market of 3D printers these days. Yeah. And the market is definitely shifting as Caribou 3D is, well, reevaluating how it's doing business and shutting down its uh, consumer facing business. Um, Prusa also struggling by having to sort of release a Prusa mini input shaping demo that isn't quite ready. So we sort of chat about like what's going on there and how the market is changing over the last couple of months and years. There are also some changes that are being proposed in New York um, where a 3D printer is now going to be treated like purchasing a firearm. So that's maybe good intense, but uh, maybe a little misguided. We'll talk about the implications that might have worldwide. Um, and sticking to that topic... 3D Print General's channel has been getting deleted and Naomi Wu has been deplatformed essentially. And that is sending quite a few of the wrong messages. So maybe it's a good idea to have a backup plan. Talking about backup. <laughs> I should have done a backup because, oh man, we, we haven't been recording for a while, but I think five, six weeks ago... Wanted to start working one morning, turned on, on my PC and just got a blue screen. And that was That's scared. quite the sinking feeling that you get. Because not yeah. only do you know, oh, this is going to be a ton of work to fix now. But it's also like, oh, God, what did I, what did I lose? Yeah. So maybe just a bit of background i i do have my sonology nas which i used in the past for editing but i don't know i think for the last one and a half years i've been editing most of my stuff directly from from google drive because it's the easiest way for me to sync between my 
studio and my office right here. Right. <sighs> it is. It does become messy when you have like physically separate uh, yeah. studios. Yeah. It, it's the lazy way in, in, a, in a way, but it gave me always like the peace of mind that everything is stored in the cloud. Yeah, so, but, well, yeah, at least the, the video files. <laughs> yeah, at least the video still, files. Still a lot of stuff that, that isn't backed up. So, yeah, the um, blue screen couldn't boot Windows anymore, couldn't repair it anymore. Uh, at some point, just slept in an old SSD and reinstalled Windows, which is, which is nowadays super easy, uh, which is kind of a nice thing. Oh well, yeah, the, the the install is easy. Um, the so install is easy. Getting everything like just working is fine, but then yeah. you've got all your setup to do after mm -hmm. that. All your software, all your logins, yeah. all your your stuff. Yeah. Um, so what actually happened was, and everyone out there who ha also uses Samsung SSDs, so there is the Samsung nine eighty Pro two terabyte S S SSD. Yeah. Uh, it has a firmware bug. So if you bought it, I bought mine like one and a half years ago or something like that. Uh, a good year ago, actually. Um, it has a firmware bug and after just on mine, 20 terabytes of writing, it just goes into read-only mode and wouldn't let you write anything anymore. Um, which also means that you can't boot Windows anymore, which is kind of a pain, yeah. but... Yeah, it's a firmware problem. In the past, I used Samsung Magician, but for for a decade, n nothing happened with my SSDs, and I was just always really annoyed with the the pop up window from Samsung Magician. Oh, there's a new version of Magician uh, yeah, available, no. so I didn't install it anymore. Um, if I would have done that, it would have told me already like half a year ago when also I think Samsung realized that something's wrong with their SSDs, that there's a firmware bug and there's a new firmware version now that I could have installed which would have prevented my problem. But yeah, if you have an old Samsung 980 Pro SSD, I think just a two terabyte version, maybe even with the old ones, check if there's a firmware update available. Yeah, there's like specific versions made in, in Thailand or something that, that are affected. Um, yeah. But yeah, just Google it. There's, there's mm -hmm. plenty guides out there. Yeah. Um, so... You you didn't you, you weren't using Synology Active Backup for business or any of these solutions that that are available. Mm, no, so most of my stuff was saved, and I could even recover the things that were on the SSDs after a while on the SSD after a while. But the thing that I was missing was my um, um, DaVinci Resolve database. database. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I had basically everything, just all my old project files were missing. And usually in the past, I exported my projects always at the point when I um, uh, just uploaded a video. But right. I've been lazy, I don't know, over the last year, didn't always do it. So especially for the more, more recent videos, the project files were missing, which might not sound too bad, but um since i want to translate my videos into german not having a project file would mean that i need to do like yeah. redo everything again it's, it's the, the project file itself for the database even though it's not yeah. much data per se that's that's almost as much work as the rest of the of the of the video footage itself um, that's where yeah. all your editing effort is stored yeah 
So yeah, that was gone. Okay, and but fortunately, I was able to clone the old SSD and at some point restore the master boot record, which was bad and yada yada yada. So I was able so, to restore everything. So that that's what I would have suggested. Um, just you know, grab a, an SSD cloning tool and clone yeah. it onto a new drive. If it's only if it's read only, then yeah. everything should be there. But that didn't work. Um, it did. So okay. I think at the day when I realized that. I'm not able to use the SSD anymore. I purchased exactly the same model um, again, <laughs> That's, cloned I, it. I probably wouldn't do that. If I just had an, an SSD fail, I probably wouldn't <laughs> buy the exact same one again. But yeah, well, they fixed it. So They fixed it. Uh, in, in Samsung, I trust. Um, we trust. So... I was able to, to clone the SSD after a while, uh, but the problem was that the master boot record was just like right. broken, broken. And this is just not something that I do every day. So after I think downloading and paying for three different recovery tools, yeah. one of them was actually able to, um, to, to, to repair my master boot record and I was actually able to boot into my old Windows installation again and export uh, the, the video database, which whew, made me made me happy again. But it still was like two, three, four days of, of work that I that I yeah. lost because I was digging around trying to get things uh, working again, which was a nice which was a nice reminder um, to regularly back up my stuff in the future. Um. Yeah, I I think that was kind of the lesson for me, especially if it's if it's things that you really need to work. Yeah, and typically, I mean, with SSDs, you don't worry about failure as much anymore. Whereas with a with a hard drive, you knew, hey, eventually it's just gonna crap out. Eventually, it's you know, it's gonna head cra head crash or whatever. So I yeah. need to have a backup with SSDs. You just don't get that. They they you know. In the beginning, everyone was worried about like, oh, I'm going to write this thing to death. It only has 200 terabytes writes total and then it's going to die. But I, I've been mistreating my SSDs and I've not managed to run one. Well, okay, that's not quite correct. <laughs> I've managed to run a, a, a Samsung 830 64 gigabyte into the ground. That is at 1%. Okay. But that's like a 10-year-old SSD that, <laughs> that has seen... Like a sixty gigabyte SSD, sixty four. Yeah. That's seen some abuse, so that's dead. But everything else, every modern SSD, really, you can't, you can't ruin. Yeah. Um, the problem is that they usually fail and are dead. You don't get like indications of a weird sounding hard drive before yeah. head crash, where which might give you an indication. Okay, I should maybe back up my stuff now. They're just from one day to another, yeah. they're gone. Yeah, well, if it's if it's controller failure, which is probably how these things fail most likely, um, yeah, then they are gone. If they fail from just the the actual DRAM, DRAM the actual flash storage uh, running out of write cycles, then they do go into a read only mode typically. Yeah. So same as same as you had, um, which was the the controller basically bugging out and saying, "Hey, I've yeah. I've written too much," even though it it didn't. Yeah. Um, just saying, okay, I'm not going to let you write anymore because then we're really going to have an issue. I'm going to stop you there. So yeah. typically you get that, that read-only yeah. state. Talking uh, about abuse. Uh, um, yeah. Ha, ha, ha. Might. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, at least you don't have any um, 
fight fighting bandages anymore um, yeah I, i was thinking about just making a, a short like how to make soap um but uh i i'm just i'm too much going on that would have been fun but it really would just would have just been you know messing around just some fun stuff yeah uh by crash i don't know it, it looks looks worse on video than it, it does i looks still very beat up but that does put you out of out of commission too i mean either an ssd crash or a bike crash um when you've got two bandaged up hands that you can't use mm. that 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 stops you from from doing anything useful um so yeah that was uh but i don't want to say stupid on my side because really there's nothing i, I could have or would have done differently but <laughs> <sighs> Just admitted you were too fast. I was I was not. We were on a very chill bike ride actually. Um we were doing like twenty, which is very, very slow on a road bike. Um yeah. I had freshly serviced my bike, the chain was like glossy and clean and uh I, I, I checked my tires. I'm I'm running like thirty two millimeter tires on my road bike now, which is mm. super fat for a road bike. Um And I just, I was like, hey, I'm going to be a good cyclist. I'm going to use the bike path that is now freshly built for cyclists that you can use instead of using the, the regular countryside road. Um, and it turns out that bike path, bike path, was freshly sanded, freshly graveled, and it just looked like perfect asphalt. It was not. It was slippery as ice, and it's just like you can feel your bike giving out, and, and the only thing you think is like, this is going to hurt. <laughs> there's nothing I can do about it and then you stop yourself with your hands and then you're like oh bonk guess my head's kind of heavy and you hit your chin and like your entire side is bruised and yeah so you were the first of your group or I was yeah okay uh, the, my, my, my two buddies managed to well not drive on that bike path <laughs> they just uh, they, they managed to, to slow down um, but yeah, that, that was a quick trip to the ER, um, one stitch in, in the chain, which is already out now. Um, and just my hands bandaged up. Yeah, it was actually exactly two weeks ago now. Um, okay. Sucks, but it is what it is. Well, at least you didn't break your collarbone oh, yeah, that's, shoulder that's thing do. or something, which often happens with crashes like this. Yeah. So better some bruises than uh, really something broken. Yeah, never, never broken anything in my life. Yeah, yeah thankfully. Um, you just talked about uh, short, short videos, and uh, even even though if that would have blown up, <laughs> I recently checked. I have I have one viral viral <laughs> short video which has six point four million views. Um, is that much for a short? It is. It's probably I mean, not really much, there's, there's but different, is different different rules there. Yeah, guess how much I made with six point four million views. I'm gonna guess two hundred and sixty euros. Twenty six euros eighty one cents. Oh, just just off by one factor of magnitude. Okay. Yeah. Shit. Oh man. <laughs> but um, but think about all the subscribers that he gained. Seven thousand one hundred. I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty good. That's pretty, that's good, pretty for, good for one yeah. video. Yeah. That, that's. That's for an outside viewer worth worth way more than the twenty six bucks. But um, yeah, as as we often see it, if if well, we are long format creators, 
these subscribers that you're gaining with with short form content yeah. usually don't translate into views on your regular videos well, do they here's the thing do they end up hurting you as a as a channel if it's if if they come to you they subscribe from a short and they they want to see more of that and then they have to watch the long form stuff and they unsubscribe on those videos again i mean Maybe. that's that's going to send a negative signal to the algorithm on those longer videos yeah. so ah I don't could know. be could be the ways so. of the world are mysterious i've used that phrase before we started recording already <laughs> yeah. so yeah even though it might have been fun doing a, a shorts video the, the question is uh is that good for your business probably yeah. not but we're, we're going to talk a bit more about the youtube algorithm in a bit yeah um, but before that um business related stuff i've ooh. just seen today that you're gonna be at smurf sanjay yes. mortimer rep rep festival in the uk in at the first weekend of december that is correct i'm actually currently signed up as a as a gold sponsor um that is to finally fulfill my commitment of, of donating um what was it uh the, the, the buck for every thousand views on the channel in december 2021 yeah. um and just due to like tax stuff and and accounting whoops accounting stuff i couldn't do that yet i couldn't fulfill that promise yet and this is the opportunity this is the the donation that i'm gonna make so. you're a smart guy i know you're a smart guy i know thank you <laughs> because i donated my thousand something euros i think at the end of last year and this is not tax deductible because the sanjay mortimer foundation is not a you a non-profit, non-profit in germany non-profit, accepted yeah. non-profit in germany so it was just like all out of out of my own po- pocket but now it's for you it's tax deductible since you're yeah. a sponsor i'm, I'm a sponsor and i'm getting uh, i'm getting advertisement for it um so i'm getting a half page a5 print ad i'm getting i've i've got a booth essentially um if i wanted four by two and a half meters i'm getting <laughs> uh i think screen time on on some of the some of the screens on location okay um if i want to so it is it is it is channel advertising channel branding um and it's it, it's still going towards the sanjay mortimer uh rep rep the sanjay mortimer foundation yeah um so it's it's going towards the same cause um yeah you paid out of pocket for for your you did the same thing um yep. you paid out of it f- uh, you paid for it out of your own personal pocket which means essentially you you gave twice as much which i respect um I was like well uh, it it's it, it's like you 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 are giving twice as much yeah. But the amount received is not twice as much. So Yeah, unfortunately. Um, so from a tax perspective, your move is, is way better. Um, but in the end, it's, it's good that we both now finally did what we committed to. I, I feel bad for waiting so long um, yeah. to, to get this done. But like I said, it's just, it, it just didn't make sense no. to, to pay out of pocket no. for this. Um, but yeah, the Sanjay Mortimer Rep Rep Foundation Fest- Festival. Oh God, the, these names are getting ridiculous. Um, East Coast Rep Rep Festival actually just rebranded. Um, they're what are they called ah, now? Yes, yes, yes. Nothing with Rep Rep name. Something with print, printing. Print convention. Print yeah. 
Procore something. Oh, Procore is a different thing. Um, they rebranded. You can look that up real quick. But yeah, I'm going to be at the Sanjay Motorway Rep Rep Festival in the UK. It's going to be in Oxford in the examination halls of the Oxford University. Um, that's going to be the 2nd and 3rd of December this year. Um, I think it's going to be a rather small event from the looks of it. Um, the the convention area isn't huge um and it's 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 a first time event right yeah. um so it's going to be be a very cozy cozy venue essentially um but yeah i've i've not booked anything yet i've not booked yeah. any plane tickets hotels yet but i'm um what's the call what's the term i am planning to attend that's good um Printopia, 3D Printopia is actually ah, the, right. uh, the the rebrand of the East Coast Rep Rep Festival. Which stupid me forgot that it was on the same weekend as I flew back home from Seattle. So, yeah, like I, I asked you, like, hey, cool, you're going to the, the East Coast Rep Rep Festival and you were like, no. <laughs> no, I'm going to San Francisco and I... So, my, so I was in San Francisco, sorry, sorry, not San Francisco, Seattle. So I was in Seattle oh, close enough. two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago um, for my normal job, visiting Boeing. And my first plan was to stay a couple of days longer to meet up with uh, Joel, maybe to drive by at Protopasta, but then with just like our internal... Um, travel booking agency from the company. It 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 would have been a pain because okay. I would have just they would have paid me the flight to Seattle, but at the point where I said okay, I want to do my stuff now, I would have had to pay f everything out of my own pocket, mm -hmm. including right. like the flight back home. Well, anyway, so I just said okay, I I just gonna go back home with my colleagues. But then they booked, and then just I think a week before we left, I realized shit. East Coast Rap Rap Festival. <laughs> it's just at the same weekend. I'm flying back home. Um, and I, I, I've never been there. I, I always wanted to go there. And I've I've basically been in the same country and flying back home Friday <laughs> to Germany. The States is pretty I, big, so that's that's excusable. Yeah, but yeah, I missed that. So kind of kind of upsetting. But yeah. Um Sanjay rep rep Mortimer no so <laughs> Sorry, Sanjay Mortimer. Mortimer Rep Rep Foundation Festival. No, Festival. Sanjay Mortimer Rep Rep Festival. That's, that's the right term. Yeah. Um, happening in December. There are, even though it might not be that big, um, if visitors are interested, there are tons of creators showing up, which is really nice. And um, I'm also planning Ooh. to go there. I'm, um, I'm just noticing there's now an extra row of creators on the, on the website. Yesterday was like one row less. So, 3D Print Bunny, Pattern to Print, Steve Builds. Um, I think they've just been added to the list. Uh, you've also got Joel Telling, uh, Vector3D, yep. uh, Zach Friedman, James Bruton, um, Proper Printing, a whole bunch of other folks. Uh, Photos Mint, Wexter, Alley Cats. Tons of people are going to be there. Um, so I think it's not going to be that small. I don't know um, how they are limiting, uh, if, if they're limiting the number of visitors and what that number is. Um, but I think it's, it's still going to be nice. And Oxford is a nice city. 
I've I've only, I've never been to Oxford proper. I've just um, I think uh, E3D have taken me through a, a drive through Oxford um, once, <laughs> and I've been to E3D, but I've never been to to Oxford actually. Yeah. Um, it looks like it's it's like very very densely packed area where the where the event's going to be. So I, I I briefly considered uh, just renting a car as you would in the states, um, but then you realize well, you can drive through there. But you can't drive to there. You can't park anywhere. So uh, you'd have to park like two kilometers outside the, the events to even get there. Um, so I think I'm going to do the fly to London, uh, grab a hotel in walking distance uh, of the event and just walk. Yeah. Be a pedestrian. Yeah, so, so my wife is probably going to join me. Um, and so be, we, to be clear, you're going yeah. too. I'm... <laughs> Very certainly going as well. Um, my wife still had to ask at her school if it's okay to leave that Friday a little bit earlier um, because there was a was an event. But yeah, um, I, I think I'll probably book flights this week. Um, we're also flying to London Heathrow. Yeah. We might actually ta- take the same flight in the end and then just take a train or the bus to Oxford, which yeah. is an hour drive. That's what what E3D are, are suggesting as well. Um, take the bus, take the train, or take a take a taxi cab. I think they're called in, in the UK, uh, <laughs> um, which which goes by a car. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe we can figure something out there. Um, Definitely. Um, so you, you pay per car. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Goes back, of course, it's taxi. Uh, so yeah, that that's happening first weekend of December. But in November, there's another big event happening, which is not that much consumer centric, but it's the biggest 3D printing exhibition I think worldwide. For next is happening in uh, Frankfurt again. Um, I'll, I'll pr- also very certainly uh, will be there. Um, have you thought about going there or? So I, I've had three or four companies asking me, Hey, am I going to see you at form next already? Mm. Um, and I've, every time I've replied like, yeah, nah, it's a bit too B2B and, and uh, trade showy, um, for me to be of interest. And I've been to, I've, have I been to form next? I think I've been to form next once or twice. Um, and yeah, that, that's what it's been. But I feel like there's a bit of a shift going on with the event that it's more consumer printing um, as well. Yeah, I think lots of like the smaller consumer grade printers um, are going to be there as well. And a couple of years ago, basically there was nothing like that. Um, like so one little corner we had, we had everyone. Yeah. So Prusa's going to be there, Creality, uh, uh, Sun, tons of filament manufacturers. Well, those are the companies that have always been to those B2B shows. Um, the thing is yeah. just I I don't enjoy the the atmosphere and the, the style of show, even if it's like, hey, we've got this corner or this half this half a hall for like consumer stuff. It's always just this, you know, everyone gets a little booth and it's just like, hey, you've, you've got your suit and tie people and you, uh, I don't know, it feels like very forced and yeah. That's in the end one of the reasons why I usually enjoy being at US events and especially rep rep or maker events because it's not as... In Germany, we say uh, "nicht zu so viel Stock im Arsch," uh, not so 
polite is the wrong word. I think the the saying works in English as well. You've got to stick up your butt. Uh, yeah. Do we need to set an explicit tag here? I don't know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's it's weird. I still enjoy being there, especially with my like professional background in three D printing, and it's also an opportunity to meet a ton of people, um, which I just like rarely see be it other YouTubers, other creators, um, or just other companies and, and connect with them. So, yeah, what I've, what I, what I wanted to say about the, uh, the Smurf, um, the Smurf, that, not, not a very, not a very fortunate name, uh, the Sanjay Motima Rep Rep Festival. Um, I, I don't think I care about like all the creators that are there. I, I think it's so even with uh, rep rep festivals in the States, it's always been about just people showing their stuff, people showing what they're doing. I, I don't care about Halo folks that are just like, oh, I've got a million subscribers. Not that I'm sort of sort of. Um, you know you've got more subscribers than me like i i, I that that has nothing to do with it but congrats on the 500,000 by the way Thank um you. <laughs> but like i want to see what people do um the stuff yeah. that 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 youtubers show i've already seen if i care about it i've already seen on youtube i i want to see the stuff that you don't typically see and i think that's what those those smaller shows and events are mm. are better at bringing out um and that's probably a good opportunity to see something different uh, as you would usually see at Murph or Earth because if you've been there like once or twice, you know many of the exhibitions and they're just there every year. Um, having now again such an event in the UK just gives the opportunity to other like UK-based creators to show off their stuff. So, yeah, of course, that's going to be interesting. This is also one of the reasons I'm really upset. I plan to be at uh, Tokyo Maker Fair, which was last weekend. No. And I've just seen pictures and footage from there. And it's just so different to what I have seen in uh, like on German shows or in US shows, because just the, the, the craftsmanship of of uh japanese people it, it's just different they have a different approach they're funny robots and craftsmanship and oh, I, exactly I, I was it's, so upset not being there it's it, you, you think it's all the same community you're online you're networked yeah. you see all the stuff but then you actually go to a different culture but even, especially when there's a language barrier especially yeah. when there's like a, a subculture of people speaking yeah. a different language it's it's always so fascinating to see how they do things and what they come up with. Talking about subculture, people who don't want to eat uh, meat made from living organisms. Um, in Vienna, <laughs> you can now buy 3D printed salmon. Yeah. Was that a good segue? So <laughs> I, I was gonna go. I was gonna go for the sponsor spot here, but um, sorry, we, we, we're gonna do the salmon topic first. Um, <laughs> but yeah, because we, we are gonna pivot towards actually talking about three D printers in a second here. Yeah. Um, we've talked about three D printed meat alternative products um, in the past year on the podcast because, it, first of all, it's a. I think it's a good thing um, mm -hmm. that we have to harvest fewer animals. Yeah. Um, 
and also it's just new tech like i'm always excited about new tech even if it's weird and maybe not the greatest thing so yeah we've now got a a a printed salmon that actually sort of looks like salmon um i think that's the intent yeah and it's not made from lab-grown meat uh they use what they write um shroom mushroom protein Um, yeah hopefully they don't have any shrooms in there um (laughs) but yeah Uh, they find it really nice uh it's i think especially in in such a case 3d printing can give you um an unisotropic texture of the meat and with just like layering red stuff and white stuff you have this meat fat meat texture which is one of the things that people who enjoy eating meat um is 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 what what they like to feel in their mouth and when they're eating it and what gives like real meat it's well one of its one of its benefits because it's you could do the same nutritional thing with just a a gray goo right right you've got your but it's not as fun uh you've got all your your ready to uh to drink uh meal shakes um yeah. which are i mean they're legit i've i've got a, a couple bags of plenty shake around when, when my fridge is empty i just grab one of those because they're a, a balanced meal they i mean they're not very exciting um but yeah if you want something that that is a bit more exciting to eat then this can be an alternative especially because like salmon well yeah wild salmon and stuff is not the most sustainable thing um and has a, a ton of side effects on on the ecosystems that they're being extracted from um so yeah it's it's cool i mean first of all yeah this is something that is trying to replicate an existing food product um what i'm really excited about is is like once these companies are like hey we don't have to replicate something we can create something entirely new that that has some awesome stuff that has some some awesome properties that might be exciting in different ways to eat um speaking of which we recently made kimchi um oh which also was quite exciting to eat um you know bubbly um bubbly cabbage so um, you did really ferment it and not just like put it into a soda stream and <laughs> infuse it with co2 no no, no. Ex- actual fermented um so of course we have we have sauerkraut here in germany um but yeah. kimchi is a, is a tiny bit different um you, you, you chuck some extra stuff in there you also did some fermented um tomatoes cherry tomatoes um also quite interesting you get the, you get that the sour but like that sort of thing that that our culture isn't really doing typically but then you're like hey there's some other stuff that could also be cool and you can do it and if you've got this 3d printed stuff that now just has a, a repertoire of things that it can create Maybe there's some awesome stuff hidden there that's not trying to just be a piece of of salmon. Yeah, yeah, you're right there. Well, but on the other hand, (laughs) we had Coca-Cola. So when I was in Seattle, we had Coca-Cola and the flavor was called, I don't know what the flavor was called, but it it just stated, co-created with AI. It was horrible. (laughs) Okay. Maybe the problem was that it wasn't out of the fridge, uh, but the, the taste was just really weird. Uh, we we 
suspected uh, that uh, this was just a, a bad batch from the Coca-Cola <laughs> factory and they thought, oh, <laughs> shit, we need to relabel it. <laughs> Let's put co-created with AI on it and you can just sell it everywhere. Imagines year 3000 with new futuristic flavor and AI-powered experience. <laughs> is that from a Coca-Cola website? That is coca-colacompany.com, yeah. Okay. On the creations hub. Yeah, I mean, not everything AI is, is necessarily a good thing. Yeah. But, yeah, but you experiment, right? Um, yeah. You experiment with things and some stuff isn't going to be good, but some stuff might just be so good that it sticks around. Um, speaking of new stuff, this is the segue to today's sponsor, and this is actually an exciting one. And the sponsor for today's episode is Pure Poly and their Magneto X 3D printer. So, yeah. I think what they're definitely making differently is their, their actuation system, because they are the first manufacturer that puts linear motors on their 3D printer. So... No bells anymore, uh, no complicated system with pulleys and everything. Um, Forget about quirks, why? It is really just, you've got a motor, it pushes an axis. That's it. Yeah. So it's a, it's a linear motor. It is also a closed loop system, which means it's basically a servo drive. So skipped steps aren't going to happen. Or if they do happen, then uh, it can transparently correct for it. Um, this is a, a fully high-end printer. It's got a load cell. It's got a filament sensor. It's got um, an all-metal hot-end um, metal frame. It, it's basically checking all the boxes. But yeah, the linear motors are really what sets this thing apart. And in the past, linear motors were just... So linear motors existed, uh, for example, in pick-and-place machines because they're very, very accurate, very fast, high accelerations. But they were just not affordable and Pio Poly they were able to just make linear motors that are affordable um, so the uh, pre-orders for that machine were 1400 bucks for a machine with a build volume of Tom I think you can have uh, 400 by 300 by 300 millimeters and has four independently driven z-axis so it does uh, use those for leveling yeah. Um, it runs Clipper. It has a 7-inch touchscreen. Um, it supports Orca Slicer, so it has profiles out of the box. Orca Slicer, Prusa Slicer, Cura. Um, that's all included. Um, also, 1080p high-definition camera is built in. That's one of the things that I guess you can just you can just chuck in there and you get the features of that as well um, since it does have a uh, an X... Not an X86, but it does have a, a Linux system built in if, it, if it's running Clipper. Um, they do also, which I, which I think is great, um, they do also sponsor Octoprint and Orca Slicer and Clipper. Um, the tools that they're using, they're contributing back. Fantastic. Um, yeah. If, if, if you want to print like high temp materials, you can even get an enclosure for it. Which right. is... It has, it has a top enclosure that you put yep. over, over all the, uh, the filament guides and stuff. Yeah. So that's I think this is just a horribly exciting technology and I'm, I'm super stoked that they went all in and uh, were able to make a 3D printer with linear motors for such an affordable price. Um, and if you guys are also interested, you can um, check out the link down in the description. Um, there's more info on the Magneto X. Um, Pre-orders are 
not available anymore, but you can sign up to a no notification list once the machine um, is available for sale. And I think they're planning to start shipping it in November. What, what, what I really like about it is that it's not a closed system. Like the nozzle is swappable, the, the software is all open source and you can you can use it as you wish. It's not like locking you into any proprietary parts. So yes. yeah, check them out in the link below. And thanks again to Pio Poly and um, their Magneto X 3D printer for sponsoring this episode. Yeah, thank you. And, and maybe just a, a bit of insight. Uh, uh, uh a bit of inside talk right here for you, for you listeners out there. Uh, uh, I actually talked to them just recently because they got lo lots of questions from other people asking if just the linear or just the linear motors might be available to um, just purchase separately. They are thinking about that. They are trying to figure out how that could work because it's it's a bit more involved um, with the linear motors because you can't just easily scale them up. But they might be working on that as well. Yeah, indeed. Well, you do have to have like the set length. There's no belt that you can just shorten on these. Yeah, exactly. So this well, is one of the problems. So I guess, I guess you could cut them down. Um, yeah. Angle grinder cuts everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, Joel, Joel made some experience with that. Yeah, <laughs> but I guess depending on how they are, um, how they do the encoder measurement, it might not be as easy. So sure. I was actually asked what would be a suitable size for these linear motors, which would so which uh, which many might be interested in and i thought about that as well is it do you want to build a like a 300 by 300 printer out of it would you want to have it rather a bit bigger um should shorter be the right size to have not a ton of masses moving around do you have input maybe you listeners have input um might be might be an interesting topic to talk about. Yeah, in, intuitively thinking about this, my guess would be with longer axes you have bigger benefits because you are you're you're skipping the elasticity of the belt, yep. um, and with longer axes also you you have prints that take longer, so the closed loop system gives you a bigger benefit um, because you know if you skip a if you skip a step. You're you're now ruining an, uh, a twenty hour print instead of one that's just one hour. Yep. Um, so, I think the longer the longer lengths are better choices for these um, motors. And yeah, this is a, a rather big printer, three hundred by four hundred. I'm getting one. Um, I've been told I'm getting one sometime Ooh. soon, um, and I'll be I'll be checking it out on the uh, on the Made with Layers channel. Yeah, which we, we have we haven't talked about the rebrand, but um, yeah, we should talk about that in a second. Um, that's really cool. Uh, that's actually. So the Magneto X was one of the things why I was really upset not being at Earth this year because they showed it there and this was just one of the things that was new and I, I would really have liked to see and also talk with the guys from uh, Pure Poly about what the advantages are and maybe also what disadvantages come with that system besides just the price. Yeah, well, Joel did a video, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, interview with him. So maybe that answers some of those questions. Yeah. 
Yeah, channel rebrand. Um, uh, yeah, made I've, with layers. I've got the so the, the neon sign is right there, um, and I've turned it off because it would be I would be completely blue in the face. Um, <laughs> made with layers, finally L- talked about for way too long. Um, I, I I initially started the idea of rebranding with this logo at my at the first studio that I moved into. Then I moved out of that studio. I did a year here. Then I moved into the next studio. Then I moved out of that studio again. And now I'm back home and this is the rebrand that's happening. Yeah. Uh, made with layers, basically sort of permitting myself to do a bit more non-3D printery project stuff that, um, you know, maybe doesn't focus on the 3D printer itself as much, but just uses them as the tool they are intended to be. Mm. Um, I'm still doing 3D printer stuff. Like I've, I've last video was about the input shaping on the uh, on the Prusas, um, but just I, I enjoy doing other stuff as well every now and then. Well, you have a ton of tools at home, and I, I think one of the great things about just the tools that we have at hand nowadays is that we can do so much interesting stuff with it if you know how they work, if you know they're, how they're programmed and how to combine them in a meaningful way. Yeah. it's Of, of course, now I've got the issue of if I, I want to do projects that are so big that it's going to take me like two months to complete. Um, so uh, I'm... I'm if I, if I do just what I want to do, I'm going to become uh, stuff made here. Essentially, where there's a video maybe every six months or not, who knows? Um, but that involves lots of iterations and lots of, of manufacturing and stuff that I don't know if I can commit to. I don't know if I'm at the size where I can just say, yeah, I'm, I'm just not going to release anything for two months, three months. So yeah, I would love to do that as well. I am scared about the impact that has. And if in the end, I don't know, I can still pay the bills. Um, On the other hand, I have a huge problem with procrastination. And if I would know that I don't have to finish this in like a week or something, I would do other stuff. That's that's my big problem. And um, I would also like to transition a bit more in that direction, but I don't know how it would really work out with my workflow. I just, yeah, I just find it more satisfying to to every now and then do something a bit bigger than just a video that has to be done in two weeks, yeah. uh, because that that cuts you down so much in in what you can achieve, what you can produce. Yeah, um, and yeah, I mean that that that's my thing. My what I live off of is content is videos like i have to produce content it's not the i'm not selling projects i'm not building something like um uh four eyes furniture um well four eyes is is a a channel um he's building furniture and he's also selling that furniture and he's making some money off of that furniture Mm -hmm. then the youtube video is is sort of yes the main project the main thing that he's doing it for but also he's got a product um that he's making I don't have a product that I'm that I'm then selling and monetizing. Uh, my yeah. product is the video, so I have to produce videos. Period. Um, yeah. And there, there's got to be some balance there, but I'm I'm hoping to shift it towards more of a mm-hmm. doing doing some crazy, doing some creative stuff um, as well. Do you so? Is for you now the channel transition already over? Because it's still like Thomas Sanladro made with layers. Uh, the 
the um, the channel logo is still your face there will you transition even more or i will is that for you already no, okay. no no um so currently you i don't think you can just uh snap from one day to the other and just be like hey my name's gone now uh, everybody knows my name who's been watching my stuff i hope um And they're still going to be searching for it. So I've still got my name in there and then the, the new name in there because like, yeah. here, let me introduce you to this. Then eventually I'm going to flip it around and it's going to be made with layers slash Thomas Sandra. And then maybe one day I'll just I'll just erase my name from it entirely. Yeah. Um, and logo, I don't know. Logo, I don't know if it matters. I don't think it matters much. Um, but I, I do try and use my graphics just for recognizability. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, congratulations on that. I, uh, I, so we talked about that in the past. You were scared. Uh, you were a bit scared that this is going to hurt the channel. Uh, looking at your last couple of videos and the things that you did, I don't have the impression that they performed any worse. Uh, It's been doing all right, yeah. Contrary, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, but of course I am doing a very slow transition, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, maybe just a quick a quick chat. Do you already have access to the YouTube ABC thumbnail tester? I don't think I do. I should try that out. Um, I, I think I got a notification in YouTube Studio, but I do have access now to the ABC testing in... Uh, YouTube Studio, which is really nice because you upload three different thumbnails um, and it checks them in a different way than TubeBuddy does. So um, if you're yeah. using, for example, TubeBuddy, it will upload or change a thumbnail every day. And then depending on the click-through rate and other metrics, it tries to determine which one is the best. Um, so since for, for one day, all the viewers, um, everybody yes, sees... Exactly that one thumbnail and the next day everybody sees a different yeah. thumbnail so since youtube is youtube and has all the tools um they are simultaneously showing a lot of different viewers different thumbnails and i think this is especially interesting in the first couple of hours and the first couple of days of a video being uploaded getting that um getting that info which thumbnail works the best because Especially yeah. in the beginning, YouTube always tries to shuffle around, which is the right target audience for your um, for the video. And if you think a thumbnail is performing be better just because it's at another day, it might already be uh, the the YouTube algorithm might already have been showing it to a totally different audience, and that's the reason yeah. why your click through rate is different. So, um, yeah, um, this might be just some elite tool for now that uh, the bigger channels get. Um, <laughs> But bigger. I don't. I don't have it. Um, so I guess the, the the big channels get the better tools to help them grow more. With, well, well, I've got my own tools um, for now. I've I've written some some stuff myself that does some A/B testing. Um, even during the the first couple of release, uh, the first couple of hours after release, yeah. um, that just tries it and, and reports back to me like, hey, this this thumbnail's been doing this well. Um, Not as elegant as, as what YouTube's going to be able to do, but mm. yeah, it's just, I mean, the optimization, right? Um, the more you can optimize, the better. Um, speaking of optimization, 
Um, one company that didn't optimize very well is uh, or 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 O R N L, um, who tried to to patent the hang printer, essentially. Um, so Oakridge National Laboratory. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the hang printer essentially is I've I've covered it on the channel before. Um, and I think my content has also been a part of why this patent ultimately got rejected. Um, the hang printer basically is a printer that has um, three sets of wires that change in length, and then you have a tool head um, that moves around based on those three wire lengths. Um, and Torbjörn Ludvigsen um, is the original inventor i guess of of this concept um or who the, the one who built a working printer from this where, where i saw it the first time and the internet saw it for the first time um i covered it on the first sweden 3d printing meetup um and it worked it, it's a, it's a it's a really cool concept um we then went on to build one at tronemic in hamburg um, which was a super cool project um and then eventually the Oak Ridge National Laboratory, what's it called? Oak Ridge, Oak Ridge, Net, Oak Ridge National Laboratory. <laughs> exactly. Acronym, sorry, not something for me today. Um, they patented the Sky BAM, what they're calling it, um, which is essentially a hang printer, <laughs> just bigger. Um, so this is one of those few cases where an independent or a smaller guy, Turbin Ludwigsen, he's just one guy, one person essentially, plus a lawyer, um, managed to overthrow um, a, a patent that has already been granted. So he went to the uh, U.S. Patent Office and filed in filed a complaint, a, a an ex parte re-examination request, and he managed to push through it and got that patent overturned. Which is a good thing. Like patents, sure, they're they're part of what the landscape is now, but the fact that it is possible to overthrow patents that have been apparently illegitimately granted, um, being able to overthrow that is a good thing. Um, the fact that it was granted in the first place sucks. <laughs> like there should have been more more checks in place. Um, but yeah, yeah. Good for, good for the Hank Pritchard project. That's really nice. Well, look, I mean, it's not. It's, it's not, not just only that. Yeah. Good yeah. for the Hank Printer project. It's yeah. it's good for the landscape of, of innovation. Like if you're trying to just patent somebody else's work, yeah, uh, and you get away with it, then that's not good for anyone, except mm -hmm. for the company who got away with it. No. Um, so, yeah, the the system sometimes does work. Even though it's like this, this was a ton of effort. Um, so this was um, three and a half thousand euros in in fees for the U.S. Patent Office. Um, then five and a half grand for a lawyer. Um, yeah, thankfully covered by a crowdfunding campaign um, from from Torbjorn. Um, where he did cover those costs, but yeah, it is it is an expensive process. So easily yeah. ten grand down the drain, down the drain, just to fight an illegitimate Ill illegitimate uh, patent. Yeah. 
That's not good. Nice. Me. <laughs> but so, good that it's been overthrown. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, patents. I mean, yeah, yeah, let's 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 keep going. Um, the the Bamboo Lab, uh, not X one A one Mini has been released. Also with a bunch of patents on on it, uh, as uh, Doctor Tao told me during an interview we recently had but yeah even though bamboo lab said no more uh no more bat slingers <laughs> their their first like i wouldn't say successor to the to the popular x1 um but nah, their it's latest it's not really a successor it's nah. targeting a different audience but it's their next printer that is really different um is yeah a Batslinger. It's a bamboo. Uh, it's not a bamboo. It's a Prusa, Prusa Mini. Uh, just a bit nicer. Or well, many compare it to a Prusa Mini, but it, it, it actually looks very similar to a, to a Cetus. Yeah, look, it's 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 obviously a very direct dig at the Prusa Mini, um, as Bamboo's products have, you know, even the, the P1P and DX1 um, have been quite direct competitors to to that line of printers but yeah. it, it also happens to be like a a nice market segment um yeah. where you have a you know this is a, a lower cost machine um p1ps x1s have been like a mid-range prosumer sort of thing um it does slot in the, the, the prusa mini wasn't the first printer that did that um it is also based on mm -hmm. other designs so yeah. Obviously, that's a very direct comparison that he could make, but it's not—it's not a Prusa Mini clone at all. No, not at all. But it's—it's it's targeting the audience that bought the Prusa Minis before, and I think the Prusa Absolutely. Minis have been quite popular machines, especially in, in in print farms, because they were kind of reliable, integratable, and uh, just in general good machines. But they were still like 500 bucks and the, the A1 now starting without the AMS Mini or how it's called, AMS Lite, um, at $299. Um, yeah. Even though I think uh, they're still sold out, sold out and you're not even, even able to order them. But yeah, they, they are selling that thing for 300 bucks, which is 200 below a Prusa Mini or even more, I think, nowadays. Uh, so yeah, they definitely want to to take that market share from Prusa very very badly. Yeah. But um, um, I'm I'm just checking like you you cannot buy the mini right now. It, it's um, you can do you can Prusa mini or the A1. Uh, sorry, the the Bamboo Labs A1 mini. Yeah. Um, not available. Um, you can buy it for not available. Um, for 319 euros. Which I assume is including tax, uh, yeah, DE shipping. So you can, however, buy it with the uh, AMS Lite for four hundred eighty-nine, yeah. which is fantastic value, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's coming out. Does that have input shaping? I would assume it does. It does. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I find really interesting about the machine, what they, in my opinion, do different to do differently to to everyone else but i think prusa could do that as well they have kind of a nozzle force measuring system so they do pressure advanced pressure advanced calibration using a 
nozzle sense force. So closed loop um, pressure advance. Mm, not closed loop. They are before a print starts. They are extruding material in like right. intervals out of the nozzle, and I think measuring kind of the extrusion force. And so they're, with they're, they're characterizing essentially what the nozzle is, yeah. how the nozzle is behaving, and yeah. then they're using that. Okay, that's what I find really smart. Um, I, I really dig that. And as I said, uh, as I already said on on the Mark IV, I really like the nozzle force sensor because, in my opinion, it opens, especially in the direction of of quality control, a a ton of opportunities. But I at that point I didn't think about the fact that you could use it also for example to do such a calibration. But if you yeah. think about it, it's, it's quite logical. So kudos there. Um, and it's, you know, these sort of algorithms really, you have the compute power for them. Yeah. Like there's no reason not to use them, right? Yeah. Um, probably you don't need the, the real-time measurement, but if you can if you can check it in there, if you, if yeah. you can use a sensor that's already in there anyway, um, perhaps used for some other thing, then... Yeah. So it has. It it also says it has active noise canceling for the motors. Um, which people were suspecting that this is something like you have a speaker on the inside which does like which, real active noise cancelling. Yeah, which is what active noise canceling would be. Yeah, I think it's it's a similar marketing <sighs> marketing BS than the lidar sensor, which isn't really a lidar sensor. Um, they are, I think, backfeeding the motor noise into the motor system using the um, using the motor drivers, and therefore get rid of motor noise. If this is, in a way, similar what TMC does with just a smoother um, uh, sine wave curve, is something that I don't know. But they're kind of backfeeding something to the stepper motors to remove the stepper motor noise. The A1 Mini can calibrate parameters to match tiny individual differences between each drive motor. This compensates for the unwanted harshness of motor noise. So yeah, um, what what um, what, you, what you are starting to see with firmers is uh, precise step timing, um, which is I think also what the what the 5.0 firmware on the pushes is doing. Uh, where essentially it's it's making sure that the steps come at a the step signals come at a more precise timing, mm-hmm. um, so you're getting less uh, a noise that is less less harsh um, yeah. overall from the printer. So this this kind of sounds like that. Um, could also be just hey we're optimizing the parameters of the yeah. stepper drivers. Um, yeah, I do have to say the thing is you can't really hear it when it's running um, besides a couple of fan noise. And the X1 and the P1P, they just have been way louder. Of course, some of the noise is probably just coming from the resonances of the of the housing, yeah. but it's just way more pleasant to be next to that machine. Um, yeah, so that's it. The thing that I, I found interesting, funny, and which kind of shows also the benefits of having a company like Bamboo trying to lead the market is just a day before the A1 was announced. Prusa was releasing an alpha firmware for the Prusa Mini, um, which allowed input shaping on the A1. <laughs> was that wait, a coincidence? Wait, no, no it, it allowed input shaping on the Prusa Mini. Sorry. It, yeah. yeah. 
My, my brain is already mush. Uh, it allowed input shaping on the <laughs> mini. Um, well, I mean, it, technically, it's it's the same thing because the the minis uh, and the the Mark IV's input shaping is based on the Clipper code, and I would assume that uh, the Bamboo Lab stuff is also based on the Clipper code. So, it's it's sort of, of the same. Not. Well, yeah, um, <laughs> it's inspired. Um, no I don't want to make any false claims here. No, but. Um, yeah, so it's of of course the the math behind it is all well known and is all very similar. But the yeah the the fact that Prusa released a mini alpha input shaping version that I, I tested in my last video, it it is showing that they are struggling that they are clawing at at like every bit that they can get right now um, to to stay competitive at least in in the minds of people and and like features what can what do we have that we can keep up with basically but it's it's giving them the kick in the butt that i think they they desperately needed for years to do this kind of innovation i'm i'm sure if for example the the x1 wouldn't have been released last year we would not have had input shaping on the mark 4 i'm i'm sure i'm i'm also very sure that yeah. we wouldn't have input shaping on the mini and this is the good thing about competition on the market, um, it it is already driving and it will drive even more players out of the market due to that very hard competition. But it is also motivating others to innovate and, and try to improve their, their, their products, which is good for the consumer. Yeah. Um, the In in any case, it, it's going to give the consumers what they want, right? It's, it's going to allow either um by you know bamboo being the new go-to uh product um or by forcing everyone else to be like bamboo and to yeah. uh, to compete in in the same way yeah the so. question is if this is just a short-term advantage and um pushing other players off the market causes long-term negative effects like for example open source is not a thing anymore um innovation slows down in a way because innovation is just done by a company and not by a big group of people that might have totally different different goals in the end um so i think short term it's it's great what's happening i'm just all asking myself um if we all will regret um buying bamboo lab machines in in five years because there's nothing else on the market yeah, well, I mean, it's a uh, look. It's <laughs> have a look at at um, GoPro and DJI. I think those are are the two that come to mind here. Um, uh, of course, Bamboo being being DJI folks essentially, so they've got the same playbook going on. Um, and DJI has been has become quite a bit more expensive than they used to be. Um, they're not competing on prices as heavily anymore because they don't have to. They're the the go to solution. GoPro, on the other hand, is sort of slowing down with like what they're improving. Like they're, I I, I don't I don't own any GoPro products. Um, but for from what I've been seeing, people have always been like, yeah, this GoPro thirteen I think we're at right now. Um, still has this and this and this issue, and it's not really that big of an upgrade versus the 12 or the 11 mm. um, because they dominate this space um, <laughs> the interesting thing is now with GoPro you've got DJI also competing with them in yep. like the action cam market um, but yeah it is 
it is a consolidation. The products do get better very rapidly, but mm. there may be a point where they, they do slow down. Though, you know, is the end result better than what we would have gotten if we stayed with the DIY open source printers in the long run? I I don't know. I think for a large market, no, because... <sighs> like, look, look at look at Windows, right? They, they still have that segmentation. Um, well, Windows, Apple, Mac OS, and Linux, um, yeah. where you, you have that choice. You can, you can buy a Mac, uh, you can build or buy a machine that runs Windows, or you can go with Linux. But Linux, the open source platform, is like it's been getting better, but it's still not good. <laughs> It's the, mm. like it's still lacking so many things that the proprietary solutions do so much better. It is lacking and it's not as consumer friendly. Uh, it, it's a bit like, should you build a Voron or should you take that money that a, a kid would cost to buy, for example, um, a, a fully built machine? Some might argue, yeah, in the end you can get more out of a out of a Voron printer, uh, you can tinker around yourself. But is that the large audience? Is that a big share of the market that that looks for something like that? Yeah, and and ultimately, do you get? Uh, I mean, what what I'm seeing with with Windows versus Linux. Um, so again, background. I think I've mentioned this before. I've run Linux like for three years exclusively, um, fifteen years ago. Um, I was like, okay, I'm going to convert like this is, it was Windows Vista times where it was like Windows <laughs> sucks, Linux <laughs> might be better. And like there was a push, that there was this thing like where, hey, you can use this now. And it was pretty good, but you eventually run into the limits of, you know, these are the, the, the 10 most popular applications that you can use with Linux. And then everything beyond that just kind of doesn't work or is, mm. is, is a, a thing you, you have to tinker with. Mm. Even though it is a platform that is, more capable and more it gives you more opportunities in the end you might not be able to achieve as much with it because the mm. things you have to do are more involved and require more of you yeah. and it's it's similar with um commercial easy 3d printers versus the diy open source stuff i feel like yeah we'll see maybe we might get back to this conversation in a couple of years yeah well we're we're influencers right we can we can influence and steer where this where this is heading but i don't know what the right direction to steer this into is so my problem is i enjoy both i enjoy the tinkering aspect and also the innovation that that comes from open source but when i am a user and just want to finish stuff i totally enjoy if i just have a system that works and runs yeah. and is is easy to use so like, I, I can't in good faith recommend to people that they build a voron instead of getting a, a p1p <laughs> unless they enjoy the process and yeah. unless they enjoy the fact that it is a a more open and, and customizable machine yeah. i don't know mm. the I think one of the good things is, and I don't know if this is really something uh, where we see a bit of a change again, um, 
I just had the GDX Max 3 in the studio for a video and they're using Clipper, for example, um, to run their machines. So you s it's it's a fully built machine. It works great. Um, you, you have the profiles in their slightly adjusted version of Prusa Slice. So think about that, what you like. Um, but just having that machine, again, running open source Clipper, it gives me the opportunity to tinker a bit with it if I like. But it's still working good if I don't want to tinker. Uh, the Magneto X from Piopoli we just talked about. Um, I hope this is going to be, and I'm probably sure it's going to be a, a, a well-tuned machine in the end, but having maybe Clipper running on it, uh, which also means that the, 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 the control board that they're using gives you a bit of possibility to maybe plug in some other stuff, still gives you... Um, more of the opportunity to tinker around with as, for example, on the bamboo machines where you have kind of a closed system. So right. maybe this might be something in between, not completely building something yourself, but if you want to change something in the end or tinker around, you still have kind of the opportunity or a possibility. Uh, the thing is for, for <coughs> a manufacturer, it is easier to just say, hey, this is this is how we're going to do it full stop because it, it just it just look it reduces the mm. possibility for user error which makes yeah. it just so much easier to support the machines yeah um oh well um we are though seeing some of the results of the i don't know i don't want to say restructuring but um the the, the, the changing tides more or less it's not uncommon that we see shops shut down, um, but this is uh, Caribou 3D that has shut down. And they, if I remember correctly, they, they initially were selling um, sort of Prusa conversion kits um, that upgraded your machines to, to be something that uh, the stock machines didn't. And they eventually started selling their own full market, uh, full, full market, their, their own full printers. Um, and now they're gone. Six yeah. years of uh, selling parts. Selling, just sorry, <clears throat> selling parts and printers. Yeah. Um, but if, if you read the article, um, they kind of write the uh, times are changing. Um, people, so they, they built their stuff, in, I think, in Germany, um, engineered their stuff in Germany, which makes it more expensive. And at some point, they had, I guess, problems just with their with their price. And, um, and so at some point, it just didn't make sense for them anymore to uh, cater to consumers. Uh, Caribou, I think they're still around, but they are now rather doing B2B stuff um, working together with just like companies and, and not with consumers anymore um, yeah. in 3D printing. Um, and I think this is kind of a change or something that we'll see more and more in the next couple of years, consolidation of the market, um, smaller manufacturers who might have had a niche for a couple of years now might just be overrun by the competition. Yeah. Um, but again, Consumers are getting what they want. Uh, apparently, this is not what most people wanted. So, they're going to refocus. 
Um, yeah, so it, it might be that they keep selling parts. Um, they are just a, a retailer essentially for uh, existing uh, existing brands that, that manufacture stuff. But I, from what I can tell, they're not going to be selling their printers to um, consumers anymore, which yeah. reasonable choice. I mean, selling to consumers is hard, which is why I never attempted to do it. You managed to do it with your with your inserts. Um but I'm just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not touching that. Yeah. So, I, I, is. I truly hope they find, um, they find a way to to keep doing business here because anything, you know, as as many parties, as many competitors, and as many different ideas that we have in a three D printing space, uh, that the more of them we have, the better. Mm. Um, bum, bum. New York. New York, we've talked about Caribou, we've talked about the input shaping on the Mini, which isn't very good. Uh, New York, New, New York. New, New, York's, New York wants to take away our 3D printers. Well, no, not, not take, take away. I, yeah, I guess you could sort of, yeah, but... So every now and then we have discussions how 3D printed firearms can be produced on 3D printers so easily and what the um, the danger of that is and uh, there is a bill in New York which doesn't mean that it's it's a law yet it's but a proposal it's a proposal to uh, require background checks if you want to purchase 3D printers and I think if you're reading it properly for Every computer-controlled machine that can produce three-dimensional parts, which you could use to produce firearms. Yeah, yeah. Um, for purposes of this section, three-dimensional printer means a computer or computer-driven machine or device capable of producing a three-dimensional object from a digital model. So um, a computer that would be capable of producing a 3D... So is this applying to like laptops as well? Everything. You could read it like that. Um, but yeah, essentially the... I guess what they're what they're saying with this is you, you treat the 3D printer like you, you treat buying a 3D printer like you treat buying a gun. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the requirements are for purchasing firearms um, in New York, um, but that's that's sort of what I'm reading from this. And I mean, I get where they're coming from, right? I I, I get that a, a 3D printer could be used to produce anything right um but there's it's like yeah somebody commented like hey have you ever taken a walk through the through the piping section at home depot um it's it's not just 3d printers if you want to take it from that angle i've got a lathe a lathe (laughs) a mill a laser cutter a jigsaw uh, like drill press like any of those tools could be used to create a device that is capable of firing uh firing bullets in some way or another um i have expected that something like that pops up at some point um as 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 we initially said this is just a bill and it just has one i think it's called sponsor there um so it's not something that is currently usually uh, usually popular but i think this will be a discussion we will have more and more in the next years um and if 
a 3D printer would be called a device to produce a firearm in in, in Germany. Um, I don't know. I, I We probably wouldn't be able to buy 3D printers anymore if you don't yeah. have already a gun license or a gunsmith license. Oh, um, yeah. Well, if, good luck getting one of those. Uh, yeah. Forget about it. Um, but I'm all, also asking myself, is there a way of around that there have of course been discussions can you or can slicers somehow implement algorithms that could detect if there are parts on the printing platform that shouldn't be printed similar no. to if, if you put your uh, um, a, a money bill into your photocopier it will not copy that but in the end i think that is hardly possible especially with no way. like the open software there that we have nowadays so yeah. Um you, um you you would need to so first of all yeah like, like you're saying open software sure um from that standpoint uh any printer that prints g-code like there it there's no way to yeah. re regulate like what sort of g-code it's printing yeah. and also from the standpoint of detecting stuff like you can't even even ai algorithms are not going to be able to detect every possible 3d model that could be a gun yeah. or gun part um, which is also what this bill proposal is sort of suggesting. So any gun part or gun accessory, whatever it's called, um, a printer capable of producing that. So even if you're just building or, or printing, uh, I don't know, a, um, a grip shell or something, yeah. um, which is completely non-lethal, like you can toss it at somebody and it's going to hurt, but... Like, cosplay uh, props yeah exactly yeah like mm -hmm. there there are i'm i'm sure there are parts that are shared between uh a cosplay 1911 and the, and the real one like those parts yes. are absolutely identical in the end but one fires bullets and one doesn't but you can't tell so yeah. i don't know uh in in good intent probably like yeah i i, I don't want to uh, assume malicious yeah. intent here but yeah mis misguided uh, at least yeah. um, i'm sure we will discuss that again in the future i hope that this bill is not gonna pass because that would be really bad for 3d printing it I would guess. be bad precedent yeah it would be bad precedent and you can be sure that other states and other countries might think about implementing something similar in the near future and that would basically uh kill my job kill my hobby kill my audience not literally but in, yeah figuratively um Figurative. hopefully well okay uh, i'm not going there but yeah um which is um again looping back to to drones and dji and stuff um it has a, a similar law like that um with the 250 gram rule has already mostly killed off model aviation, model airplanes, mm. um, anything that is above 250 grams, pretty much around the world now requires a a, a, a pilot's license or a commercial license, depending on where you yeah. are, um, which means, you know, the old school um, model pilots that, that built like four meter wingspan models, like good luck. Um, nobody's going to be building or flying those anymore because it's a huge hassle to just be allowed to to get them up in the air um yes well it's it's a hassle to bring them up in the air if you're not on a dedicated airfield if you have been part of a flying club before you will still be able to fly them in these like restricted areas and things like that but it's not as 
nice and easy and uncontrolled as it was in the past. Exactly. Like the yeah. there is a there is a chilling effect, and you can you can already observe that. Just for example, the market for parts. Um, yeah. you, you you can't buy, or it's 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 getting much harder to even buy um, parts that are intended for yeah. larger model aircraft. Um, and that that includes both um, quadcopters, um, drones, as they're commonly called, and um, actual airplanes, because those also fall uh, under the classification of like it's above two hundred fifty grams, so you need special mm. licenses. Yeah. Which has me, which actually has me wondering. Um, side side sidetracked here. Um, Zeppelins. So, how much do they weigh? Uh, a lot. Let Let's see a Zeppelin. So I I basically I mean, live live next to one of the only Zeppelin airports in the world. No, no. But the the, the question really is, are they above or below two hundred fifty grams? Well, a Zeppelin is probably above 249 but it, grams. But it's if you put it on a scale, it doesn't weigh anything. Ooh. <laughs> you, you see where I'm going with this? Like it, has, it, has, it has enough lift to, like, does, how much does a helium balloon weigh? It weighs, like, negative five grams or something. Well, the, the question is if it is dry weight without any fuel and uh gases <laughs> no nah, it's always it's always going to be takeoff weight i mean you put your you put your battery in a drone and it counts towards the weight as well so you put mm. your battery and you put your mm. fuel gas in, in the zeppelin and i'm mm. just, just just wondering like this might be a loophole um you know you put up like a a 10 meter zeppelin um you, you fly it as a drone and it's like yeah it's under 250 grams like look at floats it doesn't doesn't technically weigh anything if somebody has an answer for that um please leave us a, a comment below or, or tweet oh, yes. at us uh, at the melt zone or exit us i, I guess um that's just something i've i've been wondering recently okay random thoughts so we should check that out um yeah Kind of on a similar topic, which scares me as well, is that a fellow 3D printing YouTuber, the 3D print general, um, recently got like completely deleted from YouTube. Yeah. Um, similar to what we just talked about recently is that a year or two ago, he started doing a couple of videos on, on 3D printed firearms and um, there were some also discussions with uh, if with YouTube if he can monetize these videos but some of them were cleared some of them were deleted but at some point I think half a year ago he said okay I don't want to have any 3D printed firearm videos anymore on the channel so he made a second one i think the 3d pew general uploaded all of the right. firearm stuff there and there was no nothing anymore left on his main channel yeah. and uh, just recently after he applied to get verified for his 100,000 subscriber badge he i think got um um he got striked again for an old video where he did a documentary on on right the history of firearms and that 
escalated so quickly that at some point just his whole, whole channel uh, was deleted. And the interesting thing at the moment is, or this has, or I think already happened like two weeks ago, um, he basically just, he basically gets um, um, ghosted by YouTube. Um, and this is yeah. really concerning. Um, this is really concerning. Because yeah. I'm... Even, even outside of the whole, hey, this might have been just on the edge of like the youtube's term, terms of services etc um at this point it wasn't like like he said he was he was completely clean i'm, I'm air quoting here mm. for those people uh yeah. just listening to us uh his channel was completely clean he, he deleted all the old stuff that could be questionable in any way shape or form on that channel um And just out of the blue, it was like, yeah, by the way, we're deleting your channel now. He appealed and they were like, nah, nah, we're, we're going to stick with it. Um, and the thing when you're dealing with one of those mega platforms is like, what are you going to do? Like, mm -hmm. th there's no way to speak to an actual person. <laughs> um, well, there are the YouTube partner managers, right? If you're above a certain size, like somebody reaches out and they're like, hey, you want to schedule a session every now and then, we can talk about your channel. And there's sort of your personal point of contact and they might be able to resolve something like that if they're willing enough or whatever. But if you're a, if you don't have one of those um, or if you're a smaller channel, like there's, there's really nothing you can do. You're at the... Um, What's the term here? Uh, ausgeliefert. Uh, You're just... Uh, at their mercy. You're at the mercy of, of YouTube whether they want to keep you around or not. And if they they or some algorithm or some underpaid reviewer of channels decides, yeah, we're not going to... I mean, I don't know, not feeling it today. We're going to delete that channel. You're just gone. That's it. And... For for you, that is, you know, that risk, even though both you and me, we are very adamant about not touching any any even slightly questionable stuff on our channels. Um, that risk is still there. Like, hey, what if 3D printers get a bad rep and, and it's like, yeah, these are gun producing tools now. Um, they might just be like, yeah, we, we're going to have to delete your channels. Sorry. Um, And that doesn't only get rid of your YouTube ad revenue. That gets rid of your sponsors, sponsors that paid your video. That gets rid of your platform, which you used for affiliate marketing and everything. So just from one day to, to another, everything that you have built up for over the years is just gone. And you can't do anything about that. Yeah. If, you, is... if you're putting your eggs into that one basket... Um, It, it comes with a certain risk and and especially you know there it's it might not just be the youtube channel it might be the entire google account that gets mm -hmm. deleted for um breach of terms of service or whatever yeah and if you've got your emails tied to that uh if you've got logins tied to that you are solidly screwed um so yeah don't don't put your eggs in one basket but also you kind of have to because the algorithm rewards um, people who commit to a platform and to, who regularly mm -hmm. upload, who don't spread their audience thin over multiple platforms. Like, uh, and the thing is, YouTube is like a, no a monopoly. Uh, of course, they're Odyssey yeah. and Rumble. and But in monetary terms, you can use these sites as, as backup, but you won't really have 
an audience there which is paying your bill in the end and this is yeah. like really unfortunate um and what what it so yeah like what i said um both you and me we 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 are very aware of the sort of content that we can produce and cannot produce and it does create a chilling effect right um even mm -hmm. if we're not getting slapped on the wrist for uploading something that might be considered harmful or whatever. Um, we just censor ourselves um, to say like, yeah, this is mm -hmm. this is not something we can cover. This is not something mm -hmm. we're going to touch at all. Um, mm -hmm. It's just, even if there's no action being taken on us, um, this still shifts what the, what the, the, the allowable topics are. Um, and the topics that are being covered. So it's 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 a more complex issue than than just um, the three D printing general getting deleted. It's it, it's affecting everyone, even if they're not mm. riding that edge. Yeah. So, yeah, we we I think the only thing that we can really do is trust in the YouTube lords, overlords. Um, that this doesn't happen to us. Uh, try to diversify ourselves. That we're not just depending on one platform, yeah, which is how? kind of impossible exactly. if, if, if this monopoly exists. Um, yeah, I would hope for, for Sean that he gets his channel and YouTube account and everything back. But yeah. uh, from what has happened the last weeks, especially, yeah, just him being ghosted by YouTube um, is concerning. Yeah, you, again, you see, they, they you realize that they've got all the all the strings in their hands, mm -hmm. and you're at their mercy. Um, and sort of tying into this, um, yeah. who has also gone offline is Naomi Wu um, at Real Sexy Cyborg, not because YouTube uh, ended up nuking her, but as as I understand it, it's um, it's a mix of everything. Um, but like China, um, yeah. she was she was in a, in a similar position where there's there's a like you, you can you can sort of stretch what what's sort of allowed, and usually it's like it's okay. Um, but I guess she was just a bit too non non conservative, non non traditional, too too far outside of what. Um, what's considered like okay and, and kosher um, and eventually it was like yeah by the way you're not going to happen online anymore I don't know yeah. who, who made that call um, but damn yeah this is really concerning and we ha sorry <clears throat> we haven't heard anything from her for the last three or four months the last like twitter post that um, she still made was yeah. by, by the okay. way you, you, you sort of talking into your mic sideways if push it push it oh. up the side a bit okay okay there we go um, um, she basically says that she got her wings clipped um, so and they weren't gentle about that so as Tom just said um, she probably can't be on, on YouTube and Twitter anymore for the moment um she would have the possibility to leave China, but her girlfriend is not able to do that. So she, I think she decided to stay with her and uh, just needs to 
comply with the rules these days. Yeah. So what do you do at that point? Do you just become a, a consultant uh, for, for like local companies? Um, I mean, she's been working with uh, Creality in the past. Yeah. Um, do you do that? I mean, yeah. I don't know. Um, of course, this is one thing, but also, of course, on the other hand, we we as as a country and as makers and both of us we're also working a lot with other ch chinese companies and what how does something like that affect our actions that we that we do these days should we be more cautious should we try to i don't know work what, more with local companies uh, Well, what 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 do you mean? Be more cautious. Work with work less less with uh, Chinese companies because I mean, the question how, I, how I is think that going to affect us? I, um, I think one of the questions that was that is always around how much influence does, for example, the Chinese government has on Chinese companies. So if we are working with these companies, we kind of I think it's 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 always a bit on a knife edge. Um, we are de kind of depending on them. Our economy is, is depending uh, uh, on, on 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 China, and for the most part, I have made good experiences with these companies. But if you see things like that happening, um, I'm kind of questioning myself what that means for the actions that I do, because in a way. Right. We are basically uh, uh, we're basically investing in, in 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 this country with purchasing stuff and goods from there. True, but do we have a choice? No, <laughs> we don't have a choice. That's that's um, the thing, right? Um, no, we don't. That, that's that's one of the problems, and um, I think sometimes we need question what we do and what actions like this mean um, and if this is kind of just a slow thing that is getting worse and worse or if has it always been like this mm -hmm. um, as I said I usually have good relations with companies in China but I don't know what they know it's a different culture Yeah, and we, we couldn't exist and we couldn't work and we couldn't produce anything if it wasn't for for these companies yeah um and it's uh this this is a this is a whole pandora's box that we're opening yeah. up here no um, don't want to open that um we've we've got we've got plenty of devices um that run firmware that you don't know what it's able to do in our home networks every every single person has uh these devices now your vacuum robot <laughs> uh starting with that And I think there's there's a yeah there's there's some risk involved with that, and it's just what what amount of risk and and dependency on actors that we maybe we don't quite agree with. Uh, how much do we want to want to accept, and how much yeah. do we have to accept too? Yeah. It's it's the same as with buying from companies locally, even here that that we're like yeah I don't I don't agree with with what you do or how you do things. Um, but you're still making the best product, so I'm still gonna buy it. But like, screw you, Nvidia. Um, <laughs> like, you know, it's 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 that same 
chokehold basically that we're in yeah. um so yeah but um this the, these these two cases um i feel like just just again show how dependent we are on yeah being allowed to do what we do and yeah. it it there's there's a switch that can be that can be flipped and all of a sudden like you're deplatformed good luck getting out of that yeah quite of a sad topic at the end <laughs> god <laughs> yeah is there I, anything I, else that maybe 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 uh Maybe that's a, a little bit of, a, of an uplifting topic. Um, this next weekend, I'm, I'm getting to install some more solar. Um, Even more. You already have 30 kilowatt peak. Not here. This is 30 kilowatt is all I'm allowed to do. Um, I'm installing another 10 kilowatts um, at my dad's. Um, so my dad has like a, a tri du duplex, triplex centerpiece house. And we've got some crazy roof shapes there that we have to work around. Um but um yeah that's that's currently being worked on and we're doing some some really cool solutions there um with 100% chinese solar panels and inverters um but it's amazing how much that stuff has come down in price yes we do yeah. have another dependency on china there um <laughs> but you can you can get a so we're we're currently at i think just over 10 grand um, for a 10 kilowatt um, solar system plus a 10 kilowatt hour battery storage. Um, so that's Victron and Pilotech for the for the battery and battery inverters and Hoy Miles uh, single module inverters or, or yeah, Modulwechselrichter um, everywhere else. And it's a super crazy setup. We, we've got lots of custom solutions. If it was a much simpler setup, it would be even cheaper. That is amazing that it's that that he can do it so cheaply now um and it's it's kind of that's making me happy that he can just yeah check it on there for for uh, an apple and an eye yeah um <laughs> an apple and an egg yeah uh yeah still one project for me i i actually wanted to do this year but i think i won't be able to finish it anymore i also need to put at least like another four kilowatt peak on my on my garage just to feed my my hungry electric car um uh, but even even with like the seven kilowatt peak that we have on our roof we haven't used basically a single watt from from the from the grid for the last five uh, months win every winter is coming winter is winter. coming but it's yeah. still it's still amazing with an ev we did i i already did like four and a half thousand kilometers on the on the tesla um Full house, three people there, workstation, everything, um, dehumidifiers in, in the basement. Yeah. Uh, seven kilowatt peak on the roof. We have been like needing nothing from the grid yeah. for the last five it's, months. It's pretty amazing. amazing. And with with prices coming down so far, I've even got buddies considering just putting a, a, a north-facing um, solar setup on their roofs because they've got the, the space there. It's easy to yeah. install. And the stuff's so cheap that you can just, you know, you just chuck like six grand of solar panels up there and it yeah. pays for itself within four years. Yeah. I'm actually then, considering... Then, you, then you're making money on that from, from yeah. there on out. So, I'm actually considering putting um, panels at my wall on my wall. It's yeah. east-facing. Uh, Ooh, but east facing i've done yeah. the math on like a, a, a straight vertical south facing yeah. and that actually works out pretty nicely because you get almost the exact same um, amount of energy during the summer and during winter yeah. um, if you just have vertical south facing i don't the know about idea, east facing though the idea is that 
during winter time we very regularly have snow and if there's just a tiny bit of snow on our panels on on the yeah, roof and wherever we have them we get nothing um the idea with those fully vertical panels is that they can't get covered in snow so i especially want them for winter to run at least the home appliances maybe charge the battery a little bit in in the winter don't know if it's really worth the effort and money uh but i i i personally just it would be so joy cool, using right? using my own energy <laughs> yeah same here same here uh, man, what, what I would really love to do, and I, I think this falls slightly outside the scope of, of even the rebranded <laughs> channel, is just to build like a not a not a tiny house, but like a a, a a reasonably small house. Just do it stick framed, do it with hemp wool insulation. Uh, Laura Kampf has been doing that with her um, Fachwerk house, um, yeah. just doing or or just um, not not hemp wool, um, Steiko, um, wood wool. Um, silly those and just just build it in a way that is sustainable that runs off its own energy i've i've looked at prices for heat pumps recently they cost like four grand uh now for 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 a basic unit you could build it so intelligently and so self-sufficient with so little effort these days that would be something that that, that i would love to do um i currently don't have the time or the correct opportunity to do that but if it comes up like I, i'd be all in for that just yeah. do like uh i don't know 50 square meter 60 square meter house yeah. build a, a like a um pultach, a single slope yeah. roof south facing just build build something in a smart way and it's ah that, that, that would be that would be a fun project and yeah, maybe you can find a sponsor for that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Steiko, if you wanna if you wanna sponsor something there, uh feel free to reach out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh we we got the ship turned around very well. Yeah. So after two hours now? Uh yeah. Well one one forty two the time is and we still have to uh to do the intro. Yeah. Um Perfect. we sh- we should do these episodes more more regularly. Um, yeah, we always say that. <laughs> uh, though, on the other hand, I've, I've, I'm listening to to Metodish Incorrect, um, yep. and they've switched from a bi-weekly, which means every two weeks, but it can also mean mm-hmm. every, twice every week. But they've switched from every two weeks to every single week. And they were like, yeah, we're going to do the episodes a bit shorter, but they still do like three-hour episodes. So I'm like, <laughs> guys, I, I appreciate listening to you guys, but like every two weeks was fine. Every week is a bit too much, maybe. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But we could we could do a little more and still not be too much, I think. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Stefan, for the for oh, sorry. I'm 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 already reaching for for stuff to fiddle around with, so it's time to yeah. quit. Thank you, to Stefan, for finding the time again. Um, that is titanium. It looks like. Yeah, there, okay. there we go. It just it doesn't focus. focus no, it's, not, it's not focusing. Um, yeah. We're we're, we're reaching for the fiddle toys. So yeah. thank you, Stefan, for taking the time. Thank you all for listening. Um, if you want to support us, you can find the Patreon links in the description below. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Uh, anything I forgot? Check out the sponsor. No. Check out Magneto X in the description below. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to trying the one out that I'm getting hopefully next month. Cool. That's and it. <laughs> we hope to, to, to see you guys soon. Yeah, maybe at one of the coming conventions. Smurf. Yes. Stefan's going to be at Form Next. That's going to be cool. All right. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.